0: is off today, and Ray Haynes is with us, and our teaching on Pentecost continues. It's exciting stuff. We've talked about war. If you're paying attention to the news right now, you know that there's, from the Gaza region, there's just bomb after bomb after bomb, like 1,500 or so in the last few days uh, being shot at Israel, so one of our first things we talked about was the fact that this season, right now, especially this week, is typically a time of war over there, because it's when they captured Jerusalem, and also that was their Independence Day when they became a nation. So uh, all the nations around them tend to get really angry at this time of year. And we also talked about the weirdness of the calendars. How complicated can this get? So complicated. So we'll leave the war and calendars behind. Let's talk farming and counting. Did you do well in math in school? Uh, Not particularly. All right. Well, we're going to give you the Hebrew perspective of math now. Oh, that'll make it easy. (laughs) We'll just muddy those waters even worse, huh? Well, we've been talking about counting the omer. The omer was one of your Hebrew words, right? It was the sheaf. It's counting the sheaves or the 50 days. So the word counting Hebrew is uh, siferet. Siferet. So that's your third word today. You've had uh, shavuot. You've had omer. And now you can say, I'm counting the omer. It's siferet ha-omer. And there you are. Your your math skills begin. Passover is one month behind us. Pentecost coming up this weekend on one calendar, next weekend on the other calendar. So we're between two harvesting seasons right now, and we're in what's called the season of counting the omer, all right? So one barley has happened, wheat's about to happen, spiritually speaking. When you're counting days or weeks or doing math in school growing up, you're counting to something. You're trying to get an answer. That something you're arriving at scripturally is a promise of God. And omer is a measure of grain. It's a sheaf. There's two primary grains grown in Israel, barley and wheat. The barley, ripened first, was harvested at the feast of Pesach or Passover that was last month. So if you're having, you know, the communion, you know, it would if you really want to be extra official, you'd use barley bread because you'd be using the right one for the right season. Now the wheat took a little bit longer to ripen. So they're commanded to count 7 weeks after Passover before harvesting the wheat. The feast for the wheat harvest was called Shavuot after the weeks that they had to count since they were doing the omer for 7 weeks in Greek You know the word penta is 50, so that's where you get the word Pentecost. They're just saying 50, all right? So that's where Pentecost comes from. Same feast, same everything, just a different language is there more to this than a harvest festival? Good gosh, yes. The command to count the Omer was given at Mount Sinai after they arrived from Egypt, and that long journey was actually the true inspiration. The counting of the Omer remembers the 50 days between the Passover in Egypt and the giving of the word of God, the Torah, the law, on stone tablets to Moses and Mount Sinai 3,500 years ago. So, yeah, this isn't about calendars, it isn't about war, this is, this time period this is the exodus but oh my there's still more jesus was the true passover lamb two thousand years ago and after his crucifixion and resurrection he walked the roads of israel for the next 40 days of the omer the next 10 days the apostles were on their own counting and they surely didn't realize what was coming but they were representing the church era on the earth which we are still in On day 50, Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit and birthed the church at Pentecost. So just as tablets of stone were turned into the very words and laws of God at Sinai, so are hearts of stone turned to hearts of flesh as the Holy Spirit came upon them in Jerusalem. There's just always more to the story. At Pentecost, nothing from that year's wheat harvest could be eaten until after the wave offering was made. Why is that? Well, God established these festivals as times of divine renewal or newness. What was forbidden becomes permissible. When Jesus comes out of the grave, he presented to his father this wave offering of all the souls who had been locked away in Hades. He opened the door into eternity with God for all mankind who had been trapped in sin and death. We who were forbidden to approach God became acceptable and part of the divine harvest. It's not just wheat and barley and all this stuff going back thousands of years. All of this is about the salvation that you yourself enjoy this very day. When he poured out the Holy Spirit, he enabled us to go from redeemed to empowered, from indwelt to overflowing. He's always taking us from glory to glory. We're not done when we're saved, and we're not done when we're empowered. There is no salvation or infilling of the Holy Spirit without the cross, and there's no power apart from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's so easy to doubt that God will intervene for us, but it's why we are to pray. Give us this day our daily bread see it's not about what you had or have or will have he is among us and wants to sustain us from our breath through the beating of our heart every single aspect of our life the clothes and shoes of the israelites didn't wear out in the 40 years of wandering in the desert bread appeared in the mornings water came out of a rock for them to drink meat flew into camp i just had to knock it down He said, seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And here's the thing. Joshua 23, 14 says this. Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know, with all your heart and soul, that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. So for almost all of the 2,000 plus slaves that came out of Egypt, I'm sorry, 2 million slaves that came out of Egypt with Moses, only two actually got to see the promises of God, 2 out of 2 million. That's not very good odds, right? Of God fulfilled with their own eyes and walk in the land. Two separate times, 40 years apart. That was Joshua and Caleb. They believed the promise despite the presence of giants, but couldn't go in because the people lacked faith. They had to wait 40 years for a new generation to arise. As God rained down these great boulders from heaven on the heads of the giants, only Joshua and Caleb could see God's promise come to pass. Who would have imagined if they had just gone in 40 years earlier, two million Israelites would have watched God throw all these uh, massive boulders down on the heads of the giants they were so afraid of. As the apostles prayed that morning at Pentecost, awaiting what Jesus promised, they didn't know quite what to expect, only to expect an outpouring of God upon them. It wasn't boulders, praise God. In an instant, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they began speaking in languages they did not know joy filled them and courage and boldness soared within them they're empowered to be who jesus had prepared them to be that is the heart of pentecost that's why we're here today to walk you through and talk you through what god has waiting for you now coming up i gotta say you, there is no such thing as pentecost without the counting of the omer or without passover so we're gonna take a step back one for a moment we're going to look at the day of Passover, the most significant day in history ever. And I I feel very confident that I can run down a list of 10 things that at least eight or nine of them you never realized happened on Passover. Oh, okay. going to connect you in a way you never been before. Major historical events. Massive. Okay. Massive. All right. Very, I think one of the most fascinating things I've ever studied. You've hooked me. I'll be sticking around. <laughs> Stay around. <laughs>